Good morning. A little rock and walk-up music. I didn't mind the piano, like the soft, subtle piano, but, you know, a little rock and guitar when you're walking up on stage just gets you going a little bit. Welcome to Element 3 Church. My name is Pastor Scott. If you're new, and we're excited to jump into a brand new sermon series with snacks. With snacks. So if you haven't already sat on your fortune cookie, now is the time to open it up. Some got two because I just was lazy and I didn't want to separate them out. If you have three or four, Take some next to you. They're going to be eaten up. They're customized fortune cookies, so enjoy the fortune. Some of them are funny. Some of them are just say, welcome to E3. We want you back next week. Some of them talk about how holy our genes are, both types of holy. So we're excited for you to jump into this new sermon series. And if you're joining us online, I'm sorry I did not mail you these fortune cookies, but we do have some interaction for you in a moment, so stay tuned on that. A couple of quick updates before we jump into the sermon itself. Uh, Several have asked about Jason, who is our worship leader, and he's fantastic. We love Jason. Jason has been dealing with some health concerns that are not related to COVID at all, and we are praying for him. Uh, Jason is going to hopefully be back either running sound or leading worship, uh, but likely he'll be doing that, not likely, he'll be doing that not as a paid staff person here at Element 3, which is one of the beautiful things of this church and working in a church. If you can transition from a staff to a volunteer, so we're going to support him through that, and we're going to be looking for a new worship leader and more information to come on that. So first off, that. Secondly, Pastor Lori, who is usually helping out with worship this morning, is on sabbatical. And I'm just reminding everybody that she's still alive and she is doing awesome on this sabbatical. So keep her in your prayers, her family in your prayers. Thankful for all the ministry she does at our church. Thirdly, thank you to Pastor Mike, wherever he ended up here this morning. Awesome sermon last week. Fantastic. He's sitting in the darkness in the corner. Pastor Mike did an amazing sermon last week. I just want to reiterate, go back on our website on Facebook, connect, and just rewatch that sermon. It is fantastic. And I hope some of you are new here today because of the sermon he preached last week, that you invited somebody and, and somebody said, yes, I want to come and check out this church with a crazy Nebraskan who's preaching here this morning. Uh, lastly, just thank you to our worship team. And, and I think Caitlin might as well just preach and I can just go sit down because that was be- beautiful, beautiful worship. So thank you to all of them as well. want to talk before we get into the sermon sermon where the sermons birthed from. Sermons get birthed from a variety of different places. Sometimes, like on our Mark sermon series, we birthed it out of going through an entire book. This one called Fortune Cookie Wisdom is going to analyze what you're getting wisdom on a little pull-out sheet, you know, a little, little index or a piece of paper about this big. But, but there's a secondary purpose to the series. And that's what we call here at E3 Church. It's our wise council. Our wise council is a bunch of volunteers who have some wisdom who speak into big changes, big needs, big situations. And I had the privilege of walking alongside them over the last day for a long time. If you were on that meeting, you know it was a long meeting, a lot of dialogue, and I'm still worn out just a little bit. But we're thankful for a leadership team that is full of volunteers who are passionate about this church. And yet at the same time, I know that in the past, and those who are brand new or her post-Scott coming, you can just zone out and eat another fortune cookie. But those who are pre-Scott, that there's been a lot of hurt, a lot of trouble with these wise counsel additions, subtractions, whatever happened in the past that I wasn't a part of. And so in my heart of hearts is that this sermon series will give us material, give us direction, give us wisdom to move forward as one church body. Now, real quick, I want you to turn around and look to the people to your left, to your right, behind you, in front of you. 
I want you to say this with me. You are my friend. Don't say it to me. Say it to everyone around you. What happens in the past is in the past. As they say in The Lion King, you got to put it behind you. You don't put your, your behind in your past. You put your past in your behind or whatever how he says that. Oh, 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 I got it wrong. But in all seriousness, and this is more of the fatherly side of me coming out and saying, as we move forward into 2022, we are going to have an amazing nomination process for Wise Council. We're going to have a wise council that is working on doing our mission of making disciples who make disciples. And I am extremely thrilled and have zero worry about what upcomes for us as a church. Make sense? Any amens? Now, here's the cure. We're going to start with this series. This is an overview series. I wanted to give you the fatherly talk, just to chat before we get into the meat of the sermon. Now, at the end of the sermon series, we're going to talk through Wise Counsel and how that works in our church. So if you're brand new, check out our website. If you're online right now and wondering what is Wise Counsel, check out our website. It's very plain and clear what that purpose of that board is to be and do. And we had a great retreat yesterday and some upcoming things that we're going to be revealing as we move forward as a church we are having momentum. What happened to me over Christmas break, over New Year's, is that I woke up on January 1 saying, it's time to go. Time to go, E3 Church. We're not longer just sitting, waiting to see where we're supposed to go. It's time to go, and so we're going to be going soon. So with that in mind, I've got a question for you on the screen right now. Those online, please type in your answers. I'm going to be reading those as well. If you could have one superpower. Now, some of you say, I want to be Superman. No, that does not count. Superman has multiple superpowers. You can only take one of Superman's powers. One superpower in the entire world, what would it be? Flying. flying. I heard flying. Now, I love the flying one. I love it because nothing worse than having to drive a car, right? Yeah. Teenagers, it's not, well, they're out of the room. Middle schoolers, car driving is not fun, really, truly. It is a lot of stress flying. If I could just fly somewhere. However, weather. Whoever said flying, what about when it rains? You ever driven a motorcycle in the rain? Yeah, those of you, I've done it. Yep, that's a little tiny scooter, but let's keep going. What else? Can't hear you, sorry. Feed the whole world. That is such a beautiful superpower. I have nothing against that one. Time travel. Time travel. Oh. Ooh. You're going back to 2020, aren't you? <laughs> let's keep going. Let's keep going. What else? What else? Mind reading. Mind, no, 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 no. Who said that? It was not a man, okay? I'm just calling that out there. We don't have much going on up here, yeah? And men, we do not want to know what's going on in our better halves of our, of our marriages, right? Oh, man. What else? Invisibility or invincibility? You can only pick one. Invincibility, invincibility. That'd be pretty cool, right? Yeah, there's times where I fall and I, and I scratch my knee and I wish that didn't happen. You, invincible, that's there's nothing to pick on that. Let's see what we got online real quick. Uh, we, got, we, got, we got lovely harmony. We got amens. I think we're just too far behind. I'm trying to catch them up. Now, here's the crazy thing is that this literally happens in the Bible. Some of you know this story very well. Some of you have never heard of this before. This literally happens in the Bible. So we're going to get into uh, 1 Kings. But before we do that, a little background. There's this man named Solomon. Solomon is King David's son. For context, King David killed Goliath. King David has several children. 
And Solomon is the one who's chosen by God for a really cool story. It's all in 2 Samuel, if you want to look it up. But in 1 Kings, Solomon comes to power because King David has passed away. Now, Solomon is a young guy. And Solomon's charged not only with taking over David's kingdom, but also building a house for God called the temple. If you look at the screens right now, there's a map of the geography of what Solomon has inherited in the orange. And Solomon adds to this. But if you know your geography well, the crazy thing about what God gives to Solomon is the most prime real estate in the universe. In the universe. Yeah, in the universe. In the world is what I was going to say. But it came out universe, so I'm sticking with the universe, okay? The, this is the prime real estate because if you look to the right, to the left, above, and to the upper right, this is the crossroads for known humanity of this time. This is where all of humanity has to cross through to do trading, to have any sort of relationship with neighboring countries. They have to go through this narrow swatch of land or risk sea travel. And so what Solomon and what David has the opportunity of is to share their God, the one true God, God Yahweh, with the entire world. And Solomon has a chance here to ask God for one superpower. This is where we're going to pick up the story. First Kings chapter 3, starting verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you invincibility, flight, mind reading. What was the other one? It was really good. I can't, time travel. Solomon can ask for any of these. Now we're getting them from online. Wisdom, invisibility, invulnerability. Great, thank you, online, Elaine, Grace, and Brian. Yes, yes, all of these are awesome things. But here's what Solomon says. Watch this answer, verse six. You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he is faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between them right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administrating justice, I will do what you have asked. I'll give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you nor will there ever be. Solomon asks for wisdom, which if you saw the title to the sermon series, that was the golden answer that I've given you 10 more fortune cookies for. Just kidding. Solomon asks for wisdom. And it seems a little bit lame, right? I mean, Solomon could have asked for super strength. He could have asked for, you know, flash speed. Or Iron Man, well, Iron Man isn't really cool, but whatever. He just, he's just really rich, right? Kind of like Batman. Batman has no superpowers. But, but in all honesty, Solomon asks for the thing you say, well, that's kind of lame. But however, it's actually really wise. Throughout his reign as king, he has two mothers who come and both claim the same baby, which culturally was a normal thing to do. They would share this house. And, and sadly, one of the women lost their babies, 
and the other woman had a baby about the same age, and Solomon asks to cut the baby in two. You say, what in the world? No. And the true mother says, no, 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 give this baby to the other woman, while the woman who is not the mother said, yes, cut it in two. Solomon knew right away, there's the mom. It's great, great for, for judging, for being an administrator, for being a wise king. And we see that his wisdom is used prolifically. Solomon uses this wisdom to be a great author of our Bible. Solomon writes three books, three books. They're on the screen right now. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Now, the book of Proverbs is the most wisdom-filled book, and what I call it is a bunch of fortune cookie sayings that agree with God that are put into a giant book of 31 chapters. It is really the only book of the Bible besides Psalms where you can play Bible roulette and find something that could be worth value to you. Don't play Bible roulette. I need some quiet time. So I just open up to you know, any number page and you're like, the Immaculites wiped out the Gideonites. And you're like, well, this, how does this help me in my life? No. Proverbs, you actually can do that with some measure of success. Proverbs is a marvelous collection of wise sayings and instructions for useful and effective life. Many cultures, including the Egyptians, would create books of wisdom. So this wasn't uncommon. Many ancient laws, sayings, songs, poems, and proverbs were used by a creative vehicle for the Israelites to learn Solomon and others, not just Solomon, but others' wisdom. And they collected in this book called Proverbs. In contrast, the book of Ecclesiastes is more of a longer book that when you read it, you find yourself just a little bit depressed, but also a little bit happy. It's like when you sing the blues. When you sing the blues, you just feel sad, but sometimes you just feel this joy well up inside of you. Kind of like our last worship song. That this book of Ecclesiastes dialogues with and against Proverbs in a very combative way at times even. And lastly, this is the book that every young person should read if they want to start reading the Bible. If you're in that teenage age, the Song of Solomon. Your teeth are as white as a sheep's wool. Try that pickup line on somebody you like, okay? <laughs> Your legs are like the, mount, the, the, the oaks of, uh, I, lo- I already lost it, you know. These are, these are great pickup lines that are, ha- yes, yes. <laughs> Do not use the Song of Solomon as pickup lines, but it is a song and it's a, it's a book in the Bible about the love of a man and a woman. And, and it's, it's important to be in Scripture and it's a great way that I'd always trick my middle schoolers and my high school boys to, hey, read Bible. And I'd open up the Song of Solomon and, boy, they'd start reading that Bible real quick. This idea of having these books as this wisdom literature, which is not a very good classification, but it's what we use in the modern day church to classify these books, as how we, as modern day Americans, can still find wisdom through scripture, godly biblical wisdom, and we're gonna be delving into that. Now, the last book is this book called Job. And you ever give your kid exactly what they want and you know it's going to be the detriment to all society? <laughs> Pastor Mike came with me, these big old brown eyes, and just wept a little bit, saying, I just want to preach in the book of Job. And instead of saying no, I said yes, and this is what it's going to turn into, friends. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I am thrilled and excited. If you've heard Pastor Mike preach, he is going to do a phenomenal rock star job on this. And we're excited. Next week, he'll be jumping into the book of Job. 
and the book of Job is really a wisdom book for the Israelites to understand why there are bad things and why sometimes those bad things happen to good people. Now, there's some very crazy theology. Satan and God are betting on a guy's life. That doesn't happen, okay? But in all honesty, Pastor Mike will delve into that next week and the week after that. We're going to be looking at these in terms of fortunes that you would get in a fortune cookie like these. You'll find great pleasure soon. Well, well, yeah, sometimes you can, but there's also people like the book of Job. I've met many people who are a modern-day book of Job just walking through the streets of our country. Your friends think and act like you? Yeah, sometimes. We'll talk about diversity. A new romance is coming soon? Yes, we're going to preach from Song of Solomon from the stage, so make sure you don't miss that week, February 13th. Mm. Guys are like, what's about that date that's important? I don't know. (laughs) I'll help you out, guys. I got you. YOLO, which is? I'm surprised. You guys are good. Okay, a new phone is coming your way. And behold, a new red sports car. We'll be talking through all of these in terms of the American kind of wisdom we have in our culture because it's there. There's this this earthly wisdom that we all listen to, whether we know it or not. And then there's a heavenly, a godly wisdom that we will contrast between Job, Genesis, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs. As we look at this, though, Wisdom literature is in the entirety of Scripture, and the pursuit of wisdom starts at the very, very beginning. You ever heard of this couple called Adam and Eve? The first two people. And Adam and Eve come into this conundrum because they have God literally living with them in this Garden of Eden. God is literally there. The source of all wisdom, the source of all goodness is literally there, and yet they are tempted by this snake, by this creature, You call him Satan. And we see that Satan is tempting, the serpent is tempting Eve, who then Adam just kind of stumbles into it and just jumps right in because that's smart. And all three are cursed. All three are cursed by God and kicked out of the garden because we foolishly think that we can find wisdom outside of God. Let's go to Genesis 1, or sorry, Genesis 3, chapter 4, not Genesis 1. Starts out this way, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God knowing good and evil. We all know the fruit was an? No, it was not an apple, it was a fruit. It's a trick question. Thank you for playing. It's a trick question. We don't even know the name of the fruit. But verse six, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it and she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. There are some translations in terms of Hebrew where the fig leaves are actually a form of poison ivy. So the Bible does have a sense of comedy to it. But the point of this is underlined and bolded by me, saying it was desirable for gaining wisdom. They're, they're looking for something outside of God. They're looking for a source of goodness and wisdom and the, the ability to discern good and evil. But friends, it's already right there in front of us. We're going to get more into this. See, friends, ever since the beginning, we have sought out wisdom on our own. The opportunity to have a discerning heart on our own. But we as humans, unfortunately, just muck up what it means to be wise and replace wisdom with many other things. So I want to give us a handful of truths on wisdom to apply in our daily lives, to take out of this place as we go in the next week. And then when we're coming back, we'll have these understandings as a church body 
of what wisdom truly is. See, we all have a proverbial tree of knowledge of good and evil. We, we, it's called many things in various lives, where it's a false place where we find wisdom from. It, it may be a good place, actually. It might be a person who you very much value and you listen to them more than God. It might be a book, an ideology, political party. Did he just say that? Yeah, I did. It might be any source of things that you replace God with something else in hoping that that will give you a wisdom that just God isn't giving me what I want. In fact, God's giving me not what I want. I don't, I don't want to give all my stuff away and live a life for someone else. I, I want to be myself. Let's go over here. The knowledge of good and evil is not wisdom. See, friends, the first proof of this, wisdom is knowing what to do and then doing that thing. Let's go back to Solomon real quick. Solomon gets wisdom, but what he should have asked for is, give me wisdom and then God, make me do what I should do. Because Solomon goes and marries so many women. It's very disturbing, number one. But secondly, he gathers those women's gods and starts worshiping them instead of his own one true God. He knows the right thing to do. He knows who God is. And then he worships other gods. That's insane. Oh, but it's also human. It's all what we do. What Solomon, what Adam and Eve, and what we need to learn is something that has taken me a long time to learn, and friends, I have not quite learned it yet, is that wisdom comes through waiting on the Spirit for direction. The Holy Spirit, as our last song just so illustrated, as Caitlin mentioned in her beautiful, beautiful testimony and prayer, is the thing we need to listen for if we want to find true wisdom in our context today. We don't have to wait for God to come and give us a, a, a genie lamp to rub. We don't have to do any sorts of, of, of false things, false places to find wisdom. We have wisdom inside of us. For those who don't understand what the Spirit is, it's equal to God the Father and God the Son. It's this forgotten God that much of the American church just says, we don't understand the Spirit, so we'll talk about Jesus because we understand what that cross is over there, really pretty. We understand what God is, but the Spirit we'll talk about maybe once a Sunday, but otherwise we're going to put the Spirit somewhere back here under a bunch of rules so we don't have to ever talk about the Spirit and be uncomfortable. It's the forgotten God that makes us all cringe and a little bit crazy because we don't know how the Spirit will move. The Spirit may tell our church to do something we're very uncomfortable with, but it's equally God Father and God Son. And if we listen to the Spirit and wait for the Spirit's direction, whoo, you will be blessed with wisdom. See, friends, if the essence of wisdom is to know right and wrong, then ask the author of goodness, God, Father, Son, and Spirit, to show us the way. Many of us think this Holy Spirit looks something like this. And biblically, this is not necessarily a wrong picture. There's a spirit that descends like a dove. There's spirit as a fire. There's spirit as words that are gifted to all their initial disciples. The spirit of God is untamable and undefinable, and that's a good thing. Because God is beyond what we can tame and define. I'll say that again. God is beyond what we can tame and define. God sometimes has to stir in us something. And what's ironic 
is that some of you need to hear from God with one direction, and some of you need to hear from God in the totally opposite direction, and both are godly. And no sermon or song or some sort of treatise or some sort of creed can reach both of you at the exact same time, but the Spirit of God can do that. And you know how I know this? You know how? I'll preach a sermon, and no kidding, I'll get one person comes up and say, Pastor Scott, that was the greatest sermon I've ever heard. And not two seconds later, that was the worst sermon I've ever heard. How can it be both? It's the Spirit of God taking words that I pray over and I work over and I do not just throw up words on a paper and just talk, believe it or not. That's supposed to be some laughter there. <laughs> believe it or not, punchline. The role of the Holy Spirit is one that should bring us wisdom. In the Old Testament, in the books that Solomon himself writes, they use a feminine word for this role of wisdom. And this feminine word of wisdom is supposed to inspire us and equip us. And we see that this idea of wisdom moving through the spirit is one that can give us and scare us both at the same time. Years ago, I was attending a Methodist seminary in Chicago, Illinois called Garrett Evangelical Seminary. It's a great seminary, nothing wrong with it. And I met this beautiful girl named Carissa, who I went on to marry. And it was an awesome moment, but so scary because she asked me this one question, said, hey, have you ever prayed to God about why you're going to seminary or if you're actually called to be in the Methodist church? And I said, no. Should I have done that? And over the course of months and years, the Spirit of God revealed to me that I was in the wrong path, in the wrong place, in the wrong time. And though it was painful, and though it was foolish to the worldly standards, because I had a full ride, I had a great view of Lake Michigan. In all honesty, wisdom and godly wisdom puts us second and puts God first. And Solomon agrees. Proverbs 1. The Proverbs of Solomon of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction and in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and yet the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Wisdom is not book knowledge. Obviously, Scripture is not just a book. It's not just book knowledge. But you can memorize, friends, every little proverb and still act like doofus mcdooferums on a given day. Solomon picks the right power. He uses it poorly. So therefore, lastly, godly wisdom and the pursuit of godly wisdom is a sanctifying experience. Sanctifying meaning that it's making me more godlike and less like myself-like. I'm still going through that sanctification process. And as I say in the South, all y'all are doing it too. None of us have reached sainthood yet. None of us are to Christ's level yet. And so wisdom, as we go through this series, may make us uncomfortable and may challenge us to be something we've never even imagined. Wait and listen for God's spirit to breathe wisdom in your daily life. We're gonna do that here in a moment with communion. As I invite the 
worship team back on stage, we have the privilege of taking communion together as a sign and a symbol of God coming into us and transforming us from the inside out. And friends, here at Element 3 Church, you don't have to be a member of this church, an owner of this church, or of any church, but mainly profess that Jesus Christ is Lord and you are welcome at this table that we share together. In a moment, the team will start playing. We'll invite you to come up through the aisles to maintain as much space as you can due to COVID-19 and to grab a cup of bread and a cup of juice. And then hold those at your seat. We'll be using those in a very fun and imaginative way to relate to the sermon here in a moment. Don't take them outside of taking it together. The cups that have the crackers in them are gluten-free, and the cups that have the more bread hunks, as we'll call them, are gluten-full. So we'll make sure we point that out to you all. We take this very seriously, and we're going to do something very different with communion here this morning in a moment, not totally reinventing it, but we're going to allow the Spirit of God to come into this communion time. See, friends, communion is not just about Jesus, not just about God. The Spirit of God comes into the equation in a beautiful way. And in my opinion, it comes about right here. it's, It's not quite in your stomach yet but it's past your lips. Well, I don't believe you're literally chewing the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, it becomes something more than it actually is. Not just a mere symbol, not just hunks of bread or little sippy cup of juice, that this is something serious to take hold of. My professor at Garrett that I left after one semester, one of my professors said, reinvent often the sanctity of communion, and just don't go through the motions like they just sang. To realize what Jesus did for you here and to give us this new wine that will give us new life and a new vision for how we can be wisdom-filled people in a culture that so badly needs godly wisdom. So I'm gonna pray over these elements and then invite you to come up and receive them and hold them as we'll take them together with the Spirit's presence among us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to welcome you into our hearts and minds, not just as some faraway symbol, as some faraway deity that we don't understand, but as a personal and living inside us spirit. May the spirit fuel our hearts and minds and give us wisdom as we take together. We pray your blessing over these elements and over all hands who take them. In your name, amen.